He's ready. Let's give our brother Steve a round of applause, Steve. Sit back and relax. This is going to be a long one tonight. Somebody was joking about that, actually. I'm sorry I don't preach 45 minutes. But uh, we're going to set our timer here and we're going to dig in. Amen. We're going to be reading out of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. And by way of illustration, there was a few years ago, there was an American couple that decided to go on vacation to celebrate their 10 years of marriage. So the husband knew his wife had always loved the Italian culture, and her family had actually migrated from Italy. So what he did is he booked them a ticket and a trip, a weekend getaway, to Rome, and then from there they went around traveling other places. And so they landed there in Rome, and then from there they went to Naples, and they stopped from place to place sightseeing and soaking in the culture. One night they decided to take a road trip and do some stargazing along one of the countryside roads. And they came to a junction in the road. There was four different ways to go, and there was multiple signs there. And they're looking, and them being from America, they obviously couldn't understand what the signs meant or what they said. So they eventually said, we're going to go this way. And so they headed off down a road, not knowing where they were going. And at the end of the road, they came to a blockade because the road ahead of them had been destroyed and been wiped out by a landslide. So they turned around, and they headed back to where they originally came from. And then they eventually made their way back to the hotel, not doing any stargazing, but traveling and going places that they had no idea they were going. So now I want to talk about the book of Revelations, and we're not going to go into really deep, deep, deep detail with the seven bowls and the seals and the beast and the Antichrist and stuff like that, that would take a long time. But I want to talk about a few things. There's a number of people that have been newly saved here. And I want to give them a a picture. I want to give them a little bit of a revelation about what Revelations is about. And if we take some time to read this book, we can see the blessing that is in it. So there's many Christians that I know today that they tell them, or I tell them, hey, we're living in the last days, and you know that, right? And they don't really agree with you, or they don't believe that we're living in the last days because they don't understand the Bible, and more importantly, they don't understand revelations. And they don't take the time to study it and to, you know, to get involved in it. Like this couple that went to Italy, right? They went there going went out to have a good time, right? But they didn't learn the language, and it brought about a confusion when they were there. They didn't know where they were going, so they just turned around and headed back, and they missed out on things that were there for them. So let's read our main text, Revelations 1 and verse 3. It said, Blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy to the church, 
And he blesses all who listen to its message and obeys what it says, for the time is near. The dictionary definition of revelation is the revealing of something that was previously unseen or unknown. A surprise, a surprisingly unknown fact, especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. So revelations is like a happy moment. That's what this word envisions. Someone opening up a gift and discovering something amazing. Like a mystery that was about to be revealed, if you can envision what the seven churches are, is they're waiting for when John is about to read these letters to them. They are excited and they are waiting for something very special. But today, you tell somebody about Revelation, what are their thoughts? End times, apocalypse, people dying, right? Plagues, war, famine, pestilence. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But we need to know the number one thing about Revelation. And that is, first off, that Jesus is at the center. We have to understand that amazing events are about to be revealed to the Lord's church in these letters. And at the center of them all stands one man. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the central figure of Revelations. And I feel it's important for Christians to to read and understand Revelations. And when people ask you about it, right, you can give them a biblical interpretation. People often come to wrong conclusions because they don't dig in and they, they take scriptures out of context. I have many friends that, you know, whether I've worked with them or they're in the military or whatever, they're around the country. And when you talk to them and you tell them about, oh, yeah, we're in the last days and some of them are Christians, they have different views of revelations in the end times. And I feel like a lot of them are very incorrect. Their views on the rapture, the tribulation, and the second coming. So let's dig in and have a proper understanding about what is about to be revealed to us, the church. Revelations 1, 1 through 2. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John. John, who faithfully reported everything he saw, this is the report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So John made it very clear from the beginning that the ultimate author of revelations was Jesus. Jesus revealed and John wrote what was revealed to him. Revelations 1.1 is from Jesus. And again in Revelations 22.16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to the throne. I am the bright morning star. So we see here right from the beginning that Jesus is a central figure of Revelations. Of course, it talks about the end times and things that are going to happen. But it starts in chapter 1 about Jesus and ends in chapter 22 with Jesus. Now, this book is also about Jesus bringing judgment upon the whole world. And people will say, you know, oh, I thought Jesus was all about love. He is. And that's why the rapture has not happened yet. And that's why his return is still to come, because he's giving people time to repent. The desire of God is that all would have come to repentance. Second Peter 2, 3, the Lord does not delay 
as though he was unable to act, and is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is extraordinarily patient toward us, not wishing for any of us to perish, but all to come to repentance. So let's look secondly at the church. If you are remembered, if you're married here, right, and some of you are getting to that point, you're going to remember the period of the engagement, right? And the date and the wedding finally arriving. Um, some people that say it's a three-ring circus, there's a wedding ring and the engagement ring and the suffering. But that's not true. It's a time filled with excitement and ex- expectation. There's pl- planning and preparing, very much like the church that we are experiencing right now. Now, for us guys, there's really not much planning. We just kind of showed up and everything was in place. So, if we have been promised to Christ as his bride, then until the day of our marriage feast that we're going to read about later, we are in the engagement period. The Apostle Paul explains it this way. Now, he who established us with you in Christ... And has appointed us in God, has sealed us, given us a spirit in our hearts, is a guaranteed. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 through 22. The word guaranteed can have the meaning of a pledge or a down payment. What Paul is telling us is that the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is God's engagement token to guarantee that he will complete what he started. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come again, I will receive you to myself. And where I am, you will be also. John 14, 2 through 3, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. And he wanted them to know that he was going to his father and they wouldn't be abandoned. He was going to send the Holy Spirit to live with them. That in spirit inside of them and in us, would guarantee that the Lord is going to return for his bride, the church. I fully believe that we are the generation that will not die, that is going to live to experience the rapture of the church, and Jesus is going to take us, his bride, to the wedding ceremony. Some will say, well, where is the church during the tribulation? Will the church experience the wrath of God? And some people believe that we are going to go through that. And sadly, there are many people that are convinced of that. Thankfully, a pre-tribulation rapture is what we believe. And it's actually biblical. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave to us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 10, and they speak of how you were looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Also, Revelations 3 and verse 10, because you have obeyed my commandments to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole earth to test those who belong to this world. We don't belong to this world. So we see that the promise of Jesus, the groom, is that he will deliver his church from the coming judgment. We will be delivered from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole earth. 
And that's the way God works. We've seen this throughout Scripture, right? Did God tell Noah that he would deliver him through the flood? Just keep treading water and, you know, I'll definitely, uh, I'll be back in a year and I'll help you find some dry ground. No, he didn't. He preserved him. But what about Lot when God rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah? Did he tell, did he tell uh, Abraham's nephew, yeah, just keep running and dodge as many fireballs as you can. You know, your eyebrows might be singed, your feet might be burned, but you'll come out all right. No, God in both instances delivered. And God will deliver the church from the coming tribulation by rapturing us to meet him in the clouds. So now that we're delivered from this judgment that will be poured out, we are essentially in heaven, the place where the bridegroom promised to prepare for us. And at this time, we will go into the Father's house and appear before the Bema seat of Christ. And there's evidence of that in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. So whether we are here in the body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Verse 10, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive what we deserve for the good or evil which we have done on this earthly body. Now the judgment seat of the Bema seat doesn't determine whether we'll get into heaven or not because we're already there um, but it depends on the faithfulness to God and what we did while we are here on this earth. So while the whole earth is going through the tribulation, right, for the seven years, we're going to be in heaven. And for those seven years that we're up there, you know, we're going to be doing various things. We'll have different jobs. But we won't be staying in heaven, right? We're going to be coming back with Jesus. Zechariah 14 and verse 4. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. East of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move from the north and half towards the south. Verse 5. You will flee through the valley and you will reach across to Azal. Yes, you will flee as if you did not come from the earthquake in the days of King Isaiah of Judah. Then the Lord of God will come and all the holy ones with him. The holy ones with us, that's, him. that's us. We're coming back with him. So when we get a taste of heaven, we're probably not going to want to come back to this earth, right? The earth will have been pretty much destroyed, right, during the tribulation. But we have to come back because an incredible event is about to happen. And we are going to be the guests of honor. So let's read in Revelations 19 and verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast for the lamb and his bride has prepared herself. 19 verse 8. She has given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the white linen represent the good deeds of God's holy people. So after the tribulation period, the great wedding feast begins, and that's where the bridegroom, Jesus, and us, the church, will descend from heaven and come to earth where the wedding banquet is going to happen. The millennial reign of Christ from Jerusalem will include the great wedding feast. So let's back up a little bit. If the church is in heaven during this time, who is left on the earth for the tribulation? 
that's unbelieving Israel, and the rest of the nations of the earth. The tribulation was not designed by God for the church. It was designed for Israel and the whole world. God had been very patient for thousands of years, but eventually, you know, his mercy is going to kind of, you know, run out, and he's going to say, you know what, the time has come, and that's when we're going to be gone. And I believe there's three reasons for the tribulation. The first is, and this is backed up by Scripture, the first is it will prepare Israel for her Messiah, that we will see this in Deuteronomy. The tribulation is a time of turning the people of Israel back to God. Initially, they're going to trust in the, in the false Messiah or the Antichrist, right? And they're going to realize what he claims is not true. But let's look at the following promise God made to his people. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29 through 31. But from there, you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. In the distant future, there will be suffering. All these things you will finally return to the Lord your God and listen to what he tells you. Secondly, the tribulation will bring an end to the time of the Gentiles. Ezekiel 38, verse 39. Talks about Gog and the prince of Magog and his friends, Russia and Turkey and Sudan and Libya. Uh, And God's going to intervene and destroy them. Once these powers are removed, though, it's going to pave a way for the Antichrist to rise. Luke 21, verse 20. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judah must flee to the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out. And those in the country shall not return to the city. How terrible it will be for the pregnant mother and for nursing mothers in those days. For there will be disaster in the land and a great anger against the people. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. And during that, like I said before, us, the church, we are not here. And lastly, the tribulation will punish mankind for its sin. There is a time coming when God's going to finally say, you know what, enough is enough, and the judgment is going to be poured out, and justifiably. Uh, Through the prophet Isaiah, God promised judgment upon the nations. And we find that in Isaiah 26, verse 20. Go home, my people, and lock your doors. Hide yourselves for a while until the Lord's anger has passed. Verse 21, the Lord is coming from heaven to punish the people on the earth for their sins. This is going to be a time like no other. People complain about COVID and these other things being the end times. This is going to pale in comparison. Nothing else the world has ever gone through will compare to what we will see during the tribulation. Not us, but the world. Let's look at finally the blessing. When we read Revelation, John reminds us that this is a book with application. Do what it says and you will be blessed. Like we read in our text, Revelations 1, verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Revelations 14, 13. 
Lesson of the dead who died. Blessed is of the dead who died in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works will follow. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Revelations 26, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. Revelations 22, verse 7, blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Revelations twenty two fourteen. blessed are those who do these commandments that have been, that they may have the right of the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. So Revelations is about Jesus, but Revelation is also a book about blessing. Well, many people see it as a book about doom and gloom. And it all comes down to Jesus. Will you trust him for your salvation? Are you going to take time to warn other people about what's going to happen on this earth? We have a wonderful opportunity, this play coming up, right? This is to warn people. We have outreaches that we, are t- we take part in every Saturday. So as a Christian, this is a great time. This is a great time to be a Christian. And it's a scary time to not be right with Jesus. I talk to many people I, I work with, and you know they call themselves Christians. Oh my gosh, I'm just so scared. And I say, why? Our best days are ahead of us. The blessing that is found in Revelation. Blessed is he who reads this and listens and applies it. If we apply what this book says and live it, we have nothing to be worried about. But our goal is to reach other people and tell them about Jesus because he is the only way to heaven. Amen. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Maybe tonight you're visiting or you're not saved. The world is about to enter an hour of trial called the tribulation. We, the church, will not be here. But maybe you're unsure about where you're going to be. And tonight, there's hope, and that hope is Jesus. Putting our faith, our trust, and our hope in him so that we don't have to go through the things that are going to take place. Like I said, many people view this book as apocalypse, end time, war, famine, and that is correct. But God always makes a way to escape, and that's through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. You're not born again. You've never given your life to Jesus. And tonight you say, you know what? I don't want to be here when those things take place. I want to be rescued. Tonight I would ask you to do one simple thing. is Slip your hand up and put it right back down with no one looking around, anyone at all. You're not saved. Unsaved or backslidden, maybe once you walked closely with God. You were living right, but through whatever reason, you've turned away and you've decided to go your own way. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Tonight we can be raptured and taken. Anyone at all, not saved. Backslidden. Amen. Thirdly, I make an appeal to the church. This book is about blessing and the, and the blessing that God's promises are 
that we don't have to go through this. And now that we know that, we have a responsibility, and that is to tell people about Jesus. With tact, though, you don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, you're going to hell if you don't, you know. It, it, it takes tact. And sometimes it may take some time building a relationship where you can speak into their lives. The people you work with, right? Do they know you're a Christian? Pray, God, give me an opportunity to witness to them, to warn them. God, it's your will that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God, give me an open door with somebody, my boss, my coworkers. And I believe God is faithful and he will do that because God does not want any to perish. And he knows what's coming upon this earth, the judgment that is coming. And he wants everyone to make heaven our home. Amen. We're going to stand this evening. These altars are open. If God has spoke to you, come down and find a place. The unfailing, overtaking my heart. Word, God. You take me in. God, for what it says, God, about what's coming. Finding peace again. Press in, God.
God, we thank you, God, that we can take hold of it, God, and the promises that are found in you, God. God, we thank you, God.